On today's show, hear us say... I think we're all sitting here at the table like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Or to go to the pop culture reference, whoosh, mind blown. <laughs> this is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, guys. Welcome to a very special episode. Sensei, you say that all the time, <laughs> but it is a special episode today. Can we start with saying that I'm Landon? I'm Sensei Jackie. And I'm Sensei Michelle. Thanks for that, Landon, in my excitement. I got lost in the beginning stuff. But today's is special because we have, again, our great guest, Sensei Liam. Thank you for being here. My pleasure, again. You know, it is our pleasure to have you on the show, Sensei Liam. But I'd like everyone to go back to our last episode about yin and yang, because it opens the door nicely to understanding this episode on opportunity and obligation. Us. Let me refresh the memory of those people who aren't going back to listen to the last episode and say, years ago, you and I had a conversation about obligation and opportunity, Sensei Liam. Do you have any idea how long ago that could have been? I'm going to say three years, maybe four. I'm going to agree with that. And way back then, we thought it would make a great episode for the podcast. Now, I'm starting our third year, so the timing is right about right. My memory kept this, Sensei Liam. Way back then, you brought up to me the idea that you liked to consider obligations as opportunities. Do you want to pick it up there and see yeah. where it goes? I think the best way is probably to put it in the context that it happened. It was an observation that I made in teaching. I know we've talked about that a lot, so it's a nice way to think about how is it that one learns when teaching? Well, this is it right here. I was trying to motivate some brown belts. <laughs> And <laughs> wait, can we all laugh at that? They've done that. Okay, we're ready now. And it was specifically related to brown belt obligations. I could see as a teacher that one of the things that I was trying to set up is as a brown belt, how do you become a teacher? I wanted my brown belts to see that these obligations were opportunities. You're in this dojo, you have a chance to learn. If you were not here, you could not do this. I see how that brought obligation and opportunity, like you must have said in your mind, and therefore to those brown belts, see it as an opportunity, right? Exactly. And what did they say back to you, Sensei? Oh, you know, brown belts, they didn't say much, but they did their obligations. Been there, done that. <laughs> Us. I'm totally going to steal that concept in conversation. But when we, when you and I discussed opportunity and obligation, Rather than thinking of it as a teaching thing, I thought of it as a way to help myself because sometimes obligations tire me out, but opportunities never do. Uh, oh, yeah. So when I implemented your thought and I tried to consider my obligations as opportunities, it was helpful. Does that make any sense, Sensei Liam? Yeah. It's also great to hear that it went beyond my discussion with those brown belts since I'm sure by now they've forgotten it, but we have not. Well, I think they've all gone from karate right this minute. Do you agree with that? Yes. But that's okay because part of karate, and I don't believe we've ever said this on the podcast before, is the karate takes the student as far as it can. Us. And then the student is on his own to become whatever is the rest of his or her destiny. Us. My hope is that even though they're not training right now, they're going to go into other things. Like let's say that they're considering graduate school and they're looking at the challenge that presents that they can think about that in the way we're talking here, that obligation exactly. and opportunity, they're really tied together in one thing. It's not just the degree that they might be getting out of it, but also the practice that is a part of that. That's the reason that they do it. And where I was going is exactly what you're saying, Sensei Liam, but I was thinking about 
say, one step more adult that they were in a job and they wanted a promotion. The obligations of what they're doing right now are going to be what's reflected upon when they're looked at for a promotion. So everything that we do, whether it's in the dojo or out of the dojo, gives us the uh, ability to find where our obligations will take us. Yeah, we can go, I think, into all kinds of examples that are outside martial arts. But I think one of the helpful things about training in martial arts is that it gives us this laboratory, the dojo, that we can really study what's going on. It's sort of a, a safe space that we can run these experiments and look at how this stuff works. You know, when you've got your, your job and your promotion, I think there's a lot of outside factors and a lot of stress that can be difficult to tease apart the pieces. But if we think about the dojo in a way, it's a simpler place that you can study these things. I agree with that. I agree with that too. And I also think that built within the rank system, the obligations and opportunities grow as one becomes higher in rank. And therefore, we're learning it a little bit at a time. And it's not just shoved down our throats at one time. Yeah, I want to dig into the rank system there. And actually, this is not a segue, but this is my basis. I want to go into the three rules of the dojo. Okay, before you go into the three rules of the dojo, can I ask a favor and everybody help me remember this to touch on the idea that any life led out of balance is a dangerous thing. So if you use Sensei Liam's concept and you conceive of your obligations as opportunities. And I think it's a good thing because I've done it ever since our first conversation. Uh, Could a person then go too far and be too driven in too much obligation and miss big parts of life that are about balancing, relaxing, breathing, laughing? Uh, So can I come back to that before we go home? Maybe that's how we'll finish up. Yeah. Back to the three rules and how they fit into this conversation. And we are ready with listening ears. All right. The three rules of the dojo. Everyone works. Nothing is free, and everyone starts at the bottom. And I want to interrupt by saying that's in our system of Goju, as passed down to us through our teachers by Peter Urban. Okay, keep going. So I'm going to refer back to the last episode now on yin and yang, uh, to the idea of generative systems and how we can use a simple concept like yin and yang in order to build out more complex concepts. Going to nothing is free on its own, that could mean a number of different things. The way I like to think about it is if you want to get stronger, you have to exercise. I don't like thinking about it as a toll. And I think people tend to do this like, ah, nothing is free, so you have to pay for entry. I think that this is the generative idea that we're talking about when we talk about opportunity and obligation. If you would like to get stronger, you have the opportunity to get stronger. But then there comes with that, you've got to do something to get there, exercise. So this is what I'm hearing. In order to get a broader meaning out of a simple thing, when you look at that simple thing, don't take it only at what you immediately connotate towards, but look at the broader scope, something like the words, nothing is free. So even if your brain picks up, yes, I have to pay $25 to go to the movies. Nevertheless, there's more to it than that, whatever that thing is. Am I hearing you relatively correctly? Yes. And one reason that I like to at least in the beginning here, stick to the dojo, is that we can easily bog ourselves down by thinking about turnpikes and movie theaters and stuff like that and what applies and what doesn't apply. But if we think in the dojo, there's well-defined concepts that we can follow. We're not just talking about exercise. We're saying there's that other rule. Everyone works. When you're in the dojo, you work. So Mm -hmm. we're not saying like anybody in the world. We're just saying, all right, let's just look at the dojo. If nothing is free, then that means in that context, if you want to be a karateka, 
you have to do these things. So your obligation to the role of Karataka is to complete the activities that are required. And the opportunity is then the things you get by being a Karataka. They are the same thing. Okay. I may have misinterpreted everything that you told me all these years. It doesn't sound like it, but okay, let's talk. So I hear, Michelle, you have an obligation to show up at the dojo at seven o'clock on Thursday. And then on Thursday at at six o'clock, I'm feeling lazy. Then instead of looking at it as an obligation, I look at it as an opportunity, almost as an adventure that's going to last X amount of time. And then that change of my inward attitude towards the thing kickstarts. How do we like that word? I like it. My ability to get up and put my key bottoms on. I agree. I use a few different phrases when I'm talking about opportunity and obligation. One thing that I've said is that they're two sides of the same coin. These are not separate things. A coin has two sides and you can look at either side, right? So what you're saying in a sense is if you look at the tail side of the coin, it doesn't get you up in the morning to go out to the dojo. But if you look at the head side, yes, it does. I think there are some people that are motivated the other way, right? That, oh, there's an opportunity. I could go do that, but I don't feel like it. Uh, But I have an obligation. I feel like I have to fulfill that obligation. I think that is a good point. And I think that anything else that you're saying now, we can extrapolate from the dojo Mm -hmm. to the outside world. But by using the dojo as our, our center point, the actual point becomes clearer. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm going to say it never even occurred to me that a person would be more motivated to act on an obligation than they would be on an opportunity on a personal note. That never occurred to me. But what Sensei Liam is saying is it it definitely does happen. And I'm so happy to know that. (laughs) So now I can relate to more people, right? That's right. Okay. So we are at rule number two. We have rule number two or rule number one. Everybody works. Where are we? I I don't think we can do them in order in this case. I think that they interrelate with each other, which to me is very interesting. Let's talk about everyone starts at the bottom because that's another example of opportunity obligation. In the context of nothing is free, what we're saying here is if you want to join a dojo, there is a cost. And a part of that cost is becoming a beginner. In the martial arts and in Zen, we know actually that there's a special value to being a beginner. You don't always have the opportunity to do that. And isn't it interesting that that's part of the story of how the belt becomes black and that you work, you work, and then you have your black belt, but then the harder you work, the the black comes off and you're back to white belt so you can take that circle right. to savor the beginning again. Yeah, that idea of being able to take the beginner mind with you when you go places and experience things as a beginner. And I thought of the... Uh, the martial artist that goes to the Zen master and the Zen master overfills the teacup. We've told this story a few times on the podcast and says that your mind is this teacup. I can't put anything into it because it's already too full. Right. Are we tangenting or are we still I don't think at all because I I think, and this comes back again, right, to the yin-yang episode, full cup, empty cup, emptying cup. What I'm saying here as far as how we think about opportunity to obligation is if that idea of the full cup, if you would like to practice with the tea master, you have the obligation to empty your cup. But emptying your cup is an opportunity. It's not that the tea master requires you to do this, although he does. It's that that's the practice. That's why you want to go to him to begin with. I'm going to say your sentence right back to you and switch the two words. If you want the opportunity to train with the Zen master, then you have the obligation oh. to empty your cup. Oh. And it works either way, doesn't it? Fascinating. Definitely. And as you're emptying your cup, what an opportunity to nourish yourself. 
And I agree with you, Sensei Liam. It is fascinating. I I hope the audience finds it as mentally enthralling as I am finding it. I think we're all sitting here at the table like, oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Or to go to the pop culture reference, mind blown. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Or to go to the 70s, light bulb comes on. Ah, okay. Get us out of that, Sensei Liam. So I would like to bring in another concept, which is also arguably a beginner concept. Karate begins and ends with courtesy. Yes, that is one of my favorite concepts. So that one, I I think I also classify as opportunity obligation, right? The first thing we teach is you bow when you come into the dojo. That becomes an obligation. So how is that obligation an opportunity? Keep going. I think of it as the courtesy that is required to make a dojo work is fundamental. There's serious possibility of injury in training. And if we keep courtesy in mind all the time, then we're less likely to hurt ourselves in training. So this comes back to that role idea that being a karateka is a role and that that role fundamentally involves courtesy. And that's what makes the dojo work. You can't throw away the courtesy and still have a dojo. So the opportunity and the obligation there are bound together. Okay. I want to ask your opinion of this. When I talk to my students, I say, the strength of one's courtesy and the strength of one's fighting spirit grow equally stronger. If you grow one without the other, that lack of balance innately weakens the other thing, huh. even without your knowing it. So if your fighting spirit is just all that in a bag of chips and you can't stop yourself from coming off the line in a sparring match and wanting to do every competition, that's fine. But if you're lacking courtesy, it will come back to haunt you in the reality situation where you needed both to be equally strong. And I do think that is a yin-yang concept. Am I completely off base there in your thoughts? No, I agree with you. And it's a nice connection back to that idea of nothing is free. Yes. So I, I want to add to this concept of courtesy as something that's between people to also something that's personal with the idea of bowing to your weapon, which I think strikes people as odd when they first do it. And why do we do that? It goes back to your idea that courtesy is a strengthening. But I think in, in this case, it also adds to mindfulness. Which mm. Well, that's exactly what its point is, isn't it? Right. That and that thing, deeply that, connected. that thing that you're about to touch is a life-taking device, and you need to have respect for that concept before touching it. Us. Us. So two things are going on here. Maybe three things. <laughs> I'm loving this conversation. Number two, we're running out of time. Uh, oh, wow. Us. And number three, I do want to have an opportunity to talk about what I brought up to you guys earlier the idea that a person can be too far in one direction or the other of obligations and opportunities and touch on the concept of balance here. Isn't that correct, Sensei Lee? Yes. So if there's one more concept that you want to bring up before we get to that, that would be awesome. If not, we can go right into that. Where are we going to go? I do have another concept and it's also rank related. So we talked about the white belt, the absolutely beginner, and we talked about the brown belt, another kind of beginner. The third kind of beginner I would like to consider, and I think might be interesting to your listeners, is the black belt and the idea of building kata. Thinking about building kata as opportunity and obligation, I think helps to put in context what I'm saying about how the dojo is a a system, that we have these rules, and that it sort of becomes what it is from those rules. So building kata, at certain ranks, we have an obligation to build kata. And, you know, we were talking earlier about how some people see an opportunity in a thing, and some people see the obligation, and some people are motivated by the opportunity, and some people are motivated by the obligation. So it's interesting to think about that one, because people fall on both sides of it again, like, oh, 
you know, I would never build a kata except for the fact that I have to for this rank. But then there are other people that like building kata, so they just do it. And that it's both of those things. And that the dojo is what it is because that that's a thing that happens. But there's a level to it that I think we don't think about as much. For example, Peter Urban built kata. And that that's a thing that, that we do today. What would happen if uh, he hadn't done that? Or Choji Miyagi and his work, for example, on Tensha. Those are all things that at some point there was a person there who was building kata just the way we built kata. I hear you. And so we stand in the dojo, and the dojo has these things that we're doing, seeing, training, experiencing, and that those are structures that were built up from the past of other people who were fulfilling their obligations and taking the opportunity to make a goju. Okay, so I'm going to segue off of the building the kata thing and say, do you remember what rank you were when you built your first kata? No. Do you, Sensei Lee? Um, but I think I fall I into the mine. side of people who like doing that, so I was probably doing it before I was supposed to. <laughs> I remember building mine because it was musical form and I used it in competition and I was a three-stripe white belt and I was the only white belt in the group. I remember building mine. I was a two-stripe white belt and I had this stick that I think we had for a project or something and I used it as a bow and a kata. Nice. And made made up some moves that changed every time I did it because <laughs> I didn't remember it. So I would just make them up on the fly and and I remember once when I was a beginning teacher in uh, Davie, I was driving in my neighborhood and I saw one of my students out in the yard with a plastic sword building kata. How cool is that? That's great. I was probably either three stripe or a green belt and I built it on a musical form for a Bushido. Nice. Interesting, guys. So what do you think about this idea, Sensei Liam? Go back in time to other parts of the conversation in this episode and replace the word dojo or karate with life. The difference is it's not always a safe space, awesome. but because we often say the dojo reflects life. What's the word I want there? Mirrors. Mirrors. I like that even better. I think a, a non-martial artist who listens to this podcast could take these same lessons and put them into their own life in whatever it was that they found interesting and that they did things in with the caveat that they should remember that all people aren't trustworthy and all spaces are not safe. Do you agree? I agree. I agree too. Somehow I'm going to get from there too. Could a person be too obsessive in one direction and the four of us know? Yes, yes. they can. <laughs> Straight from the mouth of that person. <laughs> so what would your advice be on balancing these ideas? This is an evolving concept for me. And one of the things I've been trying to figure out is where does it apply? Like it doesn't apply in the movie theater for paying for the thing. Although maybe it does, depending on how you look at it. But it certainly applies in being a, a quiet listener so that everyone can enjoy the movie. And I think that that relates to roles. When you take on a role, that role involves opportunity and obligation. And so then coming back to balance, it helps to make this concept explicit that you really think about which part of this is opportunity and which part is obligation in the role, because that would help you to fulfill the role in a harmonious way, in a way that you get the most out of. I hear what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying, but I still want to add on that I would encourage a person who was feeling over-obligated to replace it with the word opportunity and who was living totally opportunistically to replace that word with obligation and see what it looks like then. Huh. Also, I 100% agree with you that we are all, and we say this all the time on this podcast, beings in transition. We're never a done deal. We're not a piece of art that we're going to hang on the wall. 
So we could come back to this subject in a year, which is an awesome idea, and see how we've changed our minds, right? Us. You know, the idea that you just had there about that person looking at themselves, I think a, a good lens to use there is that rule of the dojo, nothing is free. The person that we're talking about who is overly focused on getting free things, they may be imbalanced towards opportunity. And we might say that that's the person who comes into the dojo who wants to train, but doesn't want to do the things that are part of the obligation. But there are, there are also those people who are too focused on cost. And that those are the people that, yes, it's true that nothing is free, but think about the other side of that equation. What are you getting out of it? I really like that. And I think I've created just now in my head, the perfect ending. Tell me what you think. More than once, I've been out in public wearing my karate t-shirt that has the three rules on the back. And more than once, I've had a person stop me and say, I love that shirt. Not knowing what a dojo was. They were just a regular person. I had a lady tell me, could she take a picture of my shirt and take it into her elementary school class? I had a person (laughs) ask me, where could he buy that shirt? Because he wanted to carry it to his baseball team. Ah. So that idea of the three rules, and we'll just say them one more time for fun. Do that for me, Landon. Everybody works. Nothing is free. And everybody starts at the beginning or bottom. They apply across the board. I'm going to say, and you agree or disagree with me here, Sensei Liam, they apply to the idea of the yin and yang of the person who's growing and changing throughout their life, using the ideas of obligation and opportunity to make that happen. That was a grown-up sentence. Whoa. (laughs) Sensei. (laughs) I agree. I, I think we could also say that the rules apply to somebody who is following the way. I agree. Now I'll do a shout out to our listeners. If you do or do not know what the way is, let us know. Because it's not secret knowledge or anything. And I don't know if you type it into a Google screen, it will come up. Do you know the answer to that, Sensei Liam? I don't. A a quick takeaway for you guys is this. Goju Ru is a style of karate. And it means the way of hard and soft. Ru being way. And so a way is a pathway or a deliberate methodology to get from point A to point B. Are we good with that as an explanation, folks? I love it. Us. Us. But we want to hear what you think, don't we? Us. You can contact us all over the web at Wildcat Dojo. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and our webpage, wildcatdojo.com. We are on Instagram at Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Email us at dojoconversations at aol.com. And just so you can be impressed beyond, he did that from memory, no notes. <laughs> I am years, impressed. Three years later... <laughs> It's engraved in my brain. (laughs) I've got to say, this was everything I hoped it'd be and more. I want to thank you so much, Sensei Leon. Oh, thanks. It was great. We really enjoyed it. So much. So on that note, guys, let's do it. Honor Athletics, of course. Cynthia is our sponsor at honorathletics.com. Please support her. Great opportunity. (laughs) I loved it, Landon. Landon, give him the phone number. Call them at 770-945-5150. And don't forget to mention Wildcat Dojo when you're checking out for your 10% discount. Us. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. And Sensei Liam, start my goodbyes. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. We'll see you next week. Until next week. See you then. And with that, I'm signing off. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.